Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Today we have Pastor Jojo ministering from the Word of God on Father's love as to how much God loves us and waits for us to return to Him. Hope this word will ignite the first love that you experienced when you encountered God for the first time. The topic that I want to talk about or touch is is primarily on our Father's love. And I'll straight uh, get into it, the topic, what we are discussing. But just want to give you a little context why I'm talking about this. Because very often we talk about this within church. You know, we talk about Father's love, how important it is and how, how, how beautiful it is. But my agenda here is to re-emphasize or reiterate how important it is again. So it's the same thing. So you might already know about this. You might have already learned about this. But I just want to make sure that you understand the importance of Father's love in this season because this season is very, very crucial. We have seen things going the other way around. But if one thing has been consistent, if one thing has been constant, it's our Father's love. Do you guys agree to that? We all go through different phases of our life. Now, there are ups, there are lows. There are good days, there are bad days. You get promoted, you don't get promoted. You know, you, 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 you have enormous amount of money coming in. There are days where you don't have money. There is big project that's coming your way, getting you a lot of blessings. Everything happens, you know, in a, in a manner, in a stage, in a step. But if you, if you want to try and figure out if one thing that is constant in this journey, it's, it's love. No amount of success, no amount of money can actually measure the love that he has for you and me. Do you guys believe that? Yes. Do you guys trust that? Yes. Now, now, recently we, we had some time and, you know, back home, uh, you know, we start, we, we, we had this idea of putting an aquarium. Okay, that, that was something that I was always, uh, you know, keen in, to do in this season. And recently we got a tank and, and we start putting stuff inside and we wanted to build this aquarium as beautiful as we can. And in that process, I realized that I, need, I can't just build a tank just by putting water and just some elements. I had to really look what looks good. You know, have you seen an aquarium? You know, there are different things that goes around, uh, you know, not just the fish, but how the scape really looks like, you know? So I started researching, I started learning about this, and finally, we started working on it. Okay, it took, a, it took about a week to finalize what we want to put. And as we were building this, you know, there is there's sand, there is stone, there is, there is not flowers, but there is plants. You know, everything that comes together and makes this scape. I wish I had a picture of it. I don't have it. But when I was building it, I realized the joy that I was having to see my creation there was beautiful. Something that was just coming alive. Something that was beautiful. Something that was green. Something that was lively. And that took me a moment to think, you know, that's the exact joy that Father would have when He created you and me. The fa Father would have picked each one of us with the characteristics, you know, the, the, the way that he wanted, the way he wanted this person to look, the way, he, the way he wanted this person to behave, everything he would have planned and he would have plotted and then he made us. 
And when he sees the creation flourishes, when he sees that the creation that he has created is growing, the amount of joy that he would have had would have been amazing. Can you, can you imagine, can you just for a moment think from his point of view? You know, of course, parents, we can relate this. When we see our kids growing, it's a joy. It's, it's, it's a different joy altogether. Parents in the house? Yes? No? Amen? Now, that's, that's such a blessing. That's such a beautiful thing to actually see and observe that your kids are growing and, and they're flourishing. They're healthy. They're, they're, they don't have any uh, difficulties in doing stuff. So it's, it's a beautiful feeling. And exactly the same thing is what our father expects. Exactly the same thing is what father would see in us. And that's what he wants us to be. Amen. So that's where I want to go to today. And at the end of it, I want to just leave you guys with a picture. If I can, I think my job is done to showcase his love. To show how beautiful this relationship is. To show how important this relationship is, is, is in our existence. Amen. Can we take a moment and just quickly pray before we move? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your, your authority. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Your, we honor your presence. Thank you for showing up every single time, you know, when we need you. Thank you for protecting us, holding us, molding us. Even when the times are not good, we know that you are consistently behind us to take care of us. Lord, give me the right words, give me the right examples to share your heart this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and lead us. And lead us, Larry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Talking about love, this past season, you know, uh, I've been telling my wife, if one thing that has happened really good in this pandemic is work from home. I don't know how many of you agree to this. Uh, some of you yes, some of you no. There, there could be a mixed uh, you know, reaction. But the reason why I say it's, it's worked for me very much is, is because I had this opportunity to see my daughter grow in this past season. So everything when started, she was just six months old, right? And it's been almost one, one and a half year. So I was telling the other day that how would I be, it would have been totally different if I had to go to office every single day because I'll be coming back late night by the time she's gone to sleep and then I go back in the morning, I won't really have that opportunity to see what is her likes, what is her dislike, the way she, you know, behaves, everything. Now, over this last one, one and a half years, I have been, I've been blessed to see the way that she wants something, you know, the way she reacts to certain things. There is, there are certain uh, character that is being built up, you know, and this is the initial phase of one, a one, two years that you get to know, to understand the character. One year is still a short period. They're still trying to figure it out. But after a year, you really see that character coming in. And I've been telling her that it's such a blessing to be work from home. Yeah, at times it does get frustrating, but it's, it's another thing that I, I'm ready to leave that frustration aside and to see that my daughter is growing and my daughter, and I can connect with her in a much better way. Okay, so, so in that context, I, I, was just, I was just thinking, 
when when god breathed his life over us in the beginning and he set us apart saying that this is my children this is my son this is my daughter his only intention was to do good the very fact that he didn't call us his creation but he called us as his children his sons and his daughters we're going to start with the first john third third chapter verse 1 see what a great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of god and that's what we are the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him there's a difference between the relationship that we serve in comparison with the world the world doesn't understands this relationship of a father and his son the way we do it the world has a different perspective you know it could be in a form of uh, a, a god who is probably at the supreme place and we are supposed to bow down to him whenever he shows up and we have to put the absolute honor but the word says it's something different yes those all things are probably somewhere in 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 some context it is true but more than anything the father has lavished us that they should be or we should be called as children now when 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 i when i look at my kids i don't expect anything extraordinary to be done for example i don't i don't want my uh, kids growing up to book an appointment to meet me or neither uh, send me an email saying that you know can we catch up no they can just call me from the other room what i'm going to do i'm going to run towards them i'm going to go and try and identify what is their requirement while everything is correct which we we mentioned that honor the respect and the and the and the uh, and the stature of of this 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 god while we really miss the crucial point which is the relationship of a father and a son i'm glad that we have a father we have a god who established this relationship even before we could understand you guys with me that's that's the key that's the key that i want to highlight and that's a key that i want to touch today as a parent or as a father or as a as a mother you exactly know what your kids needs you exactly understand you know what is they looking for and what are they not you exactly understand the character that 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 builds up over a period of time now i can i can probably now guess by the different cries that my daughter would cry understanding what is that for you know is that for tv is that for a lollipop or is that for a fancy um, you know toy i can identify just by her voice exactly imagine the father we have the father we serve in this in this whole journey can you imagine that he knows even before you know you go to him even before that the whole need that you have is actually generated in your head he knows your desire there and there if you go to matthew chapter 6 verse 8 don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him 
how many of us have done this? How many of you have, uh, you know, put us in that place saying that, oh, Father, I've, I've asked you so many times, but you've never given me, you've never, uh, you never, you know, even honored this request, or you never even bothered to think about it. Have you done that? It's only me. We all have done that. Let me tell you, it's, it's, it's probably because your father thinks that that's not the right thing for you right now. That's probably not the thing that you want right now. But he knows your desire. But he knows exactly what he wants, what he wants to give it to you. Are you with me? Now, now I, 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 wouldn't, I, I, would, I would actually envision this way. Like, we, we're trying to do something which we think is the right, right approach. You know, we're probably trying to climb this mountain which we think that we can do. Now, that is my perspective or that is our perspective. But God at the back is trying to tell you that, son, daughter, we know the fact that you need this right now or you have this passion for doing this right now. But there is a right time which I, wherein I would allot. Or there is a right time wherein I would release this for you. Right? So I want to emphasize the fact that even in every aspect of our life, be it, be it an angry mood or be it a happy mood, the God is still trying to love you. The God is still, God is still trying to understand his son and his daughter. So even in our most selfish state, God's attitude towards us is always love. Can you, can you understand what I'm trying to say here? We have different phases, right? We have different uh, motion of our phases that we move in. But in all this state, if there is one thing that is again constant from God's point of view, is that his attitude towards us has always been of love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, what qualifies this uh, relationship? Is that just because he created it's the sacrifice that he has done on that cross which actually qualifies us to carry forward this relationship. Now, he came as a man, he came as an individual to, to drive this whole agenda, you know, that I'm going to make sure that my son and my daughter would be saved. My son and my daughter would have a better day. But there is a price that I need to pay for it. There is a price that I need to get, you know, paid to make sure that my son or my daughter would have an access towards it. And that's a sacrifice. And even in that sacrifice, what was his attitude? It was an attitude of love. If, he, if, if Jesus had a different perspective, if Jesus had a different thought process of getting this task done, if Jesus would have take, uh, taken this as an assignment, saying that, okay, my father said, Go ahead and get yourself crucified. That's a job well done. If Jesus, okay, put yourself in place of Jesus. If you are in the role of Jesus and you've taken this as a task, without the element of love, I don't think the job was really done. I don't think that was probably the approach that God would have expected from us. Even in that sacrifice, the attitude that Jesus carried was of love. Amen. Amen. Are you guys with me? Yes. Yeah. Now, while, while we, 
established this relationship with Jesus and, and he ascended back heaven, he left someone with us. Do you remember who is that? Absolutely. It's a, it's a spirit-spilled church, right? So we all know who is Holy Spirit. Yes. So the idea of this partnership that we have with our Holy Spirit is something that is actually enabling us to move forward. It's something actually like, it works like a fuel, right? We have a car, we have a vehicle. What, what makes this uh, car or a vehicle run? It's the fuel in that, right? So when Jesus ascended back heaven, he left Holy Spirit with an assignment saying that, you go be with my son, you go be with my daughter and partner with them. In one of the verses it says, uh, he, he has left us an advocate, you know, to, to, to be with us and take care of us so that we have someone to rely on us as we go into this journey. Amen? Amen. Romans 8.15 So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit. When he adopted you and his own children, now we call him Abba, Father. Now, I don't really call him God anymore. Because of the access that he has given me, and because of the Holy Spirit that he has left with me, now I call him Abba, Father. I don't have to take an appointment. I don't have to wait for him. I don't, I don't need any, any of, any of uh, the middleman or the intermediary to actually, you know, to reach to him. You know, we often see, uh, you know, people approaching you know, the leaders and pastors and, and they, they will say, uh, Pastor, pray for me. Uh, you know, brother, pray, pray for me. There's nothing wrong in that. There's absolutely, you know, good practice. There's nothing wrong, nothing harm in that. But can I tell you, it's the same access that the pastor has is with you. It's the same privilege that the man of God has is with you. It's just the matter of fact of putting that first uh, foot down and saying that, Abba, Father, you know, it's just about like calling Dada, you know, Daddy, Papa, I need you. I need you. I, I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have, you know, beautiful time that I can spend with you. But what is important here is how we take this as a relationship. If we consider, you know, him as father, but don't, you know, perform the way we should dealing with the father, then there's no point of having this relationship. You getting what I'm trying to say? If, if I want to talk to my father again, I don't have to go through different channels. I can just casually walk into the room and I can just have a conversation with him. That's exactly what I'm trying to portray. Because now we have established this relationship through Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is building, has built that channel for us, we have now free access. Amen. Amen. Romans 8, 16, just to continue from there. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Come on, read that again. For spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So there's a confirmation if you still believe that, you know, uh, 
you, you, you still don't have that access or you still don't have that privilege, let me tell you, it's established the day you were born. It's in place the day you were born in this earth, even before you were born in this earth. Amen? Amen. So, so let's not... Uh, Let's not deteriorate this relationship by just saying that, oh, God, I'm not worthy or I'm not eligible or I've, I've done things which is not in line with you, which probably doesn't qualify me to call you, which doesn't probably allows me to have that relationship with you. Let me tell you, you don't have to worry about that. God is not interested in your past, but he's interested in your future. God is not interested in what you've done, but God is interested in what you can do now onwards. God is interested in you. God is interested in your life, in your journey. And no amount of your past, no amount of your history is actually going to break this relationship. That's the grace that we carry as his sons and daughters. That's the, that's the privilege and that's the access that we have to call him as our father, as, as, as Abba. So I want to encourage, church, if, if you end up in that place this week, wherein you feel that, oh no, I have done this again. You know, I have messed up again. I'm at the lowest of my phase. We all, have, we all have that phase, Right? We all have that ups and we all have that lows. You know, we don't really remember a lot of ups, but we definitely remember all the lows. I want you to, I want to encourage, if this week you find yourself in that place, I want you to call out this name. I want you to reach out to him. I want you to shout, Abba. I want you to call him Dada. I want you to call him Daddy. I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to, I want to have the relationship with you forever. I want to continue the way, way that you had started. I might have left it somewhere around and, and moved away, but I want to come back to you. I want to, I want to connect back to you. And I want to just, just be there at your feet, Daddy. That's what I'm trying to say, that things would move, things would change but if there is one thing that is constant, one thing that is significantly constant, it's his love, which is never changing. In fact, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not just the time that we are here, but eternally. Right? Amen? Amen. Matthew 8, 18, 12. We all know this, right? If a man has hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills, go out to search for the one that is? Come on, that, that is profound. That is beautiful. You know, we, we, we know that song, right? Reckless love. What does it say? He will chase me down. He'll come after me. He's, he is in that place where he's ready to go after you, no matter where you have wandered. You know, it, it, it's, it's not like he's given it a try for a couple of times. He bought you back. Again, you moved out. Again, you, 
you know, you've lost your way. Do you think he's going to give up? He's still going to chase you. He's still going to come after you. He's still going to find you. He's still going to fetch you and put you, put you back on his shoulder. And he's going to rejoice. He's not just going to take you back, but he's going to rejoice because he is happy that you came back. He is happy the fact that he could find you. And he would celebrate that. Again, I want to remind you, church, that if you, if you, if you feel that the pressure of doing good is, is a channel of establishing a good relationship with Father, let me tell you, that is probably not the right approach. Again, I remember Pastor Priest talked about this, right? We often associate doing good things, which means we are in good line with God. Well, yes, as he rightly said, it's absolutely wrong. It's, it's not like you, you good this, you do this, and you get that. That's probably the wrong approach. Irrespective of what you have done, irrespective of where you are, he's still interested in you. He's still looking after you. He's still taking care of you. The joy and the happiness that a father will have looking us from heaven is, you know, if I could just explain, you know, he would just light up looking at us. You know, I heard this example of someone quoting saying that the way the expression that God will have on his face is like he'll call up all the angels. You know, call up all the angels who's around him and he will point at us and tells the angel, you know what, that is my son. That's my daughter. That's, that's, that's my son, Matthew. That's my son, Sean. Can, can you imagine God speaking about us with that excitement to the angels around him? Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine that vision? How happy he would be to say that this is my kids, this is my children. Wow, I, I can only imagine. I, I, I really want to see if, if that's something that I can see when I go back. You know, to see him happy. And, and we often associate this, you know, he'll be only happy if I do this, if I do that. We, we apply a condition to that. But let me tell you, that is not required. You know, I love my kids irrespective of what they end up being. I love my kids irrespective of, you know, what they're trying to do. You know, I, 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 have, to, uh, I have to really take out this example because... As we are talking about father's love, you know, I cannot ignore my uh, physical father. You know, my father, father uh, always worked um, abroad in the sense he was offshore most of the time. He used to work in uh, a shipping a corporation. So the only time he used to be home was in the period of uh, three to six months. Like he'll be offshore for three months. He'll come back for a couple of months and then he goes back. While growing up, he, I've never seen my father or my mother telling us or putting us with that pressure that you have to excel in this or you have to be really good at this. You have to do that or you have to do this. And I really liked uh, the fact that they gave us the freedom for me and my sister to choose the things that we wanted to do. They led us with 
our own way of approach. While they were to guide, while they were to you know, help us around, but they never put the pressure of excelling in many things, you know, which often we see with parents, right? The reason why I'm also trying to say this is because it's important as a parent to look at our children and tell, you know, I, I let you go, I, I, I give it to you. You take, you choose the way you want. I'm there to protect you, I'm there to hold you, I'm there to help you. But you know, you have that flexibility, you can reach out, you can do the things that you want to do. Amen, amen. The reason why I'm specifically talking about this is because um, growing up, you know, back in Mumbai, we, uh, we had this community of uh, Malayalis. You know, we, we lived in an apartment which was full of Malayalis. And, and, and when there is a group of Malayalis coming in, there's a pressure of, how's your son doing? How's your daughter doing? How's, what's, what's, the, what's the grade? And apparently all my mom's friends, kids, were like the toppers. You know, they, they used to get the A grades and the, and the good grades, and I, I probably never had A grade. You know, I, I, I was always someone who came up with bad grades. But in that midst, in that environment, my mom said, no, that's okay. That's okay, that's perfectly fine. I don't have to put a pressure on you to get good grades. But yeah, you do your work, you do your, the right things, and I leave it up to you. And I, and I thank God for that. You know, uh, I, I don't know how would I turn up if that was a pressure, if that was something that I would have forced to be, you know, to compete and to, to run that race, probably I wouldn't have made it. I'm glad that, you know, that we have parents with that attitude, with, with that mindset, with that, with that understanding that let them do it the way they want and not bow down with the pressure of the society and the, and the other, other things that comes in. Amen. Matthew 18, verse 13. And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. He's going to party. He's going to celebrate you. He's going to make a big news about the fact that my son came back. My daughter came back. And he's going to, he's going to rejoice and forget about the others. But he's going to be happy the fact that you are with him. That you are in a perfect relationship with him. Verse 14, it says, in the same way, it's not my heavenly father's will that even one of this little one should perish. It says it all. The perfect plan of our father is not to see any of us go away. Not to see any of us wander away. Not to see any of us going the other way around apart from what is God's plan. Amen. I want to encourage you. If you think that you are far away from him, if you think that you have lost that relationship with him, if you think that you have lost that access, if you think that you have moved so far that it's now really difficult for you to come back, let me tell you, he's waiting there for you. He is standing there and looking afar just to see that one side of you coming back. Just to see that, you know, you have accepted, you are ready to take this move. What is he going to do? He's going to run towards you.
because he's not going to let you perish like that. He's not going to let you go like that. Amen. The second chance. How many of you have got second chances? Now, this is about a, the, the parable in the Bible we all know. You know, we have read this at least a million times, if not. The, the prodigal son, right? Now, this is, you know, this is, this is the, the stage where Jesus is actually trying to explain a context. You know, he, he's trying to establish this context of, you know, uh, a sinner coming back and the way he accepts him into, you know, his own family or his own, his own life. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story and had two sons. Hold on. Now, if you read and understand the early days, especially in, uh, you know, uh, the Middle Eastern side of the world at that point of time, it was not natural for uh, a father to actually divide the property while he's still alive. The, the concept back, back in the day was when a father dies or father passes away, whatever property or whatever wealth he has gets divided. Okay, again, there was a proportion. It wasn't that it would get divided equally because uh, back in the day, the elder son gets the two-third and the younger son or the younger sibling gets the one-third. So first and foremost, the father is still alive. The father hasn't gone, he's still alive. And the youngest son is in that place wherein he says that, Father, I want my share or I want my inheritance. Okay, we'll read this next verse. Can we go to the next verse? It's out of Deuteronomy 21, 17. It's just to re-emphasize the portion that I was talking about. He must recognize the rights of the oldest son, the son of the wife he does not love, by giving in double portion. He is the first son of father fertility, and the rights of firstborn belong to him. There's a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Okay, hang in there. Now, which means the father has already distributed the wealth. Yes, that's the reason he could take the money and move out. But again, it's, it wasn't a normal practice for the fathers back then to distribute the wealth while they were alive. It was against their status. And also, the fact that it says the few days later, young son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. Which means he would have realized, or rather he would have got the share in form of currency, in form of something which can be spent, maybe a commodity like a gold. Right? And back then, if you read most of the Old Testament, the wealth was their land. It was not like bank balance like we have today. It was majorly how much wealth you have. You know what? I have 100 acres of land. I have 200 acres of land. Which means the father was in that place where he had to step down from his position and his dignity, which he had in the city. Because again, it was a bad thing for them to actually sell off their lands while they were alive. Which means he had to sell off this land. Uh, he would have probably had a painful journey of listening what 
the city people would have spoken about, what their neighbors would have spoken about. It wouldn't have been a very comfortable place as a father. And moreover, he's now giving him this share in form of, let's say, currency or let's say gold. Now, the son has decided to move. It's not just about the share, but the son is now ready to move out of the father's house. Out of his house. Let's go ahead and read it. Luke chapter 15, 14 says, About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. This is exactly what happens when we deviate from God's plan. This is exactly what, you know, happens when we know the fact that this is not what God is want, wanting me to do, but I still end up doing because it's my desire. This is what I want. This is what I would want to do. You know, when we follow our own plans and desire, we will usually find ourselves empty. Does that make sense? Right? We, we often often think that this is right, this is what, you know, what I want to do, but have a validation from our father first, you know, before we step into that. The validation that you get is ensuring that the step that you are taking is protected. Might be the case, you know, just like what happened here, what, it wasn't the father's will, to be honest, to give him the share, you know, but he was persistent, you know, it's like we praying, Daddy, I want that. I want that. I want that. What will Daddy eventually do? He'll give it. But what, is, what was his heart? Was it heart? What was his heart right away? No, it wasn't his heart to give him the, the, the share or the inheritance at that stage. But because the son was so persistent, he eventually had to do it. But that was against God's plan. That was against what God had intended to do. Okay, fast forward, Luke 15, 15 says, he pursued a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Now, this has to be the lowest point for this guy. Imagine back home, he had all the access, he had all the privileges, he had servants who would just come to him just on the ring of a bell or probably on a call. He had a beautiful life. He had a life that, you know, he can live like a king in, 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 in his own house. But here is a man who wandered away from the original plan of what God had intended. And he is now looking for some job, looking for something that he could do so that he can survive. Because he has, he's left with nothing. Whatever share that he had, he just blew it up with Wild things, or you know, in other contexts, someone said he, he just blew up the money for cheap thrills. The money is gone. When the thrill is gone, that's when we realize, oh no, I had a better life, I had a better access. What can I do now? I have to find something that will at, at least sustain me or at least keep me alive. So he goes for a job, and, he, and this man sends him to the field where pigs live. Right? And pigs doesn't live in a very fancy 2BHK air-conditioned room, right? They live in the, in the pit, they live in the mud, they live in dirt, right? And this man is there and he's, he's probably thinking the fact that I would have probably done a wrong thing 
This is where he comes to some sense. This is where he comes to some, you know, it's like you say, right? This, this is where the tube light really comes, you know, active. This is where he realized, oh no, what have I done? Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants had food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. What does that say? Servants were, servants were in a better place. They had probably better place to live. They have more, you know, stuff to uh, do around, eat good food. But here I am in the pit. Here I am with the swines and the pigs eating their food. You know, to an extent, this guy thinks the food these pigs are eating is something that he can also eat. Because he don't have any other option to rely on that right now. Now, I want, to, I want you to focus on this. Uh, on this verse, when he finally came to his senses, what made him to come to senses? The reason he came into senses is because Holy Spirit gave him a patak at his back. <laughs> Telling him, dude, this is what I was trying to tell you for so long. It, it wasn't that the Holy Spirit wasn't speaking. It was a reluctance to actually hear what Holy Spirit is actually guiding. So thank God for Holy Spirit to bring in senses into a hide. Thank God for Holy Spirit to guiding the right step that what we have to take and what we don't have to take. So the first step in returning is, is to realize we are at the end of ourselves, which basically says that the capacity that we had, it's over. I cannot sustain anymore on myself. I cannot move ahead just by my own. I need my father to take me back. I need my father to carry me back, you know, and establish this relationship. The moment we decide to come back, we have to realize that's it. That's the end of ourself. That's the end of what we can do. We don't have any more authority to do in our capacity. And that's the exact time we have to rely on Holy Spirit. It's the exact time that we have to go back and say, Father, you know the thing that I said, you have to cry out, Abba, Father, help me. Abba, Father, take me out of this. Abba, Father, just come and give me that comfort. Amen? Amen. Yes, thank God for Holy Spirit. Thank God for bringing senses at the right time. Amen. I pray and I wish, you know, let Holy Spirit be the guide that we rely on each phase of our life. Any step that we want to take, let ask Holy Spirit whether this is your will, this is what you want or not. Let us be someone who doesn't rely on our own understanding, our own spirit, but let us partner with Holy Spirit. Let us, let us have this proper walk with the Holy Spirit to, to, to lead us in the right direction. Amen. Luke 15, 18 says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. This is where we make our backup plan. I know we have messed up. Now, I can't have the same privilege, but I at least can go back and tell that, no, I accept my mistake. I, I, I've done wrong. Uh, verse 
Verse 19 says that, and I'm no longer worthy of being called as your son. Please take me on as a So, yeah, I've messed up. I've done wrong. I don't deserve this title or this relationship. Just hire me. Just hire me as one of your servants. I can probably see that if I can pay you back, you know, whatever I have taken it from you. Or I can, I can be at that place where I can at least sustain myself and live my daily life. How many of us do this prayer? Sorry, Father, I messed up. Please give me one more chance. I'll make sure that I'll go to church every week. I'll make sure that I'll only tune in to BRC's live stream. <laughs> we do that, right? I'm just kidding. So we, we, we try to make up that plan instantly. But I want you to think from a father's point of view. What is father thinking here? What is father's, what was, what, what's father's mindset if, if the son comes back? Is he, going to, you know, is he going to hire him as a servant? Probably not. Let's see further what happens. Luke 15, 20. He returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Come on, that's powerful. He decided... It's over. I, I can't do this, you know, for any more. I'm going to go back and plead to my father to at least take me as a servant. He goes back, and what, what is the scene happening here right now? While he was still a long way off, you know, in some, some I don't know which version, but it says that his father was looking for him, which means his father was expecting him day after night, that someday my son will show up. You know, probably I'll imagine he was waiting at that, at that veranda and expecting him to come that evening. Maybe he would have been doing this for last many months, you know, ever since this guy had moved out. Maybe he would have got messages and, and information from different sources that this is the state of your son. And imagine the turmoil and the heart that, you know, he would have gone through. Just thinking about his son. And he was waiting. He was standing there. You know, and, and the next thing what we see is filled with love and compassion. Who does that? He just blew away your, half of your inheritance. But that's the love of our father. That's the love and the compassion that he carries. He ran to his son. You know, he, didn't, he didn't stood there and said, okay, finally he came back. Like, I'll show you what I can do now. What, was that his reaction? No, finally he has come back. I'll make him pay for what he has taken from me. Was that his reaction? No, he, he ran to his son. Okay, I was, I was actually researching or rather reading about this verse and I came up with this... Um, article or rather a blog wherein they were describing the Middle Eastern man those days. Like a father of a house back those days is like the biggest figure. Which means the moment he walks in, everybody would bow down. Everybody would be having that respect and the, and the, and the, and the you know, probably if kids are playing, kids would just go 
on the other side and just pay that respect whatever so this father figure back in the day had a very you know important uh, what do you say a figure that was portrayed it wasn't like a father uh, or a father figure that we have in this generation where we joke around with our kids or play around with our kids it wasn't probably the same you know the relationship is the same but what i'm trying to say is the way it was projected was different the father of the house was someone with that uh, status you know the moment he walks in everything will be quiet but and it was unusual back in the day for a father to actually run towards their kids how many of you have seen this uh the series the chosen we all have seen right we all have seen right have you seen the costumes it's like a robe it's like a full thing that they wear you know few of them have half button what i imagine that it's all the way till your ankle just picture the father who is the the biggest figure in the house he would have left every status that he had on his shoulder aside he would have to probably pick the robe and run towards his son he would have lost all his status that he had with his neighbors and in the city just go down the drain because nobody did that back in the day you can expect the son to run back to the father but you will never see a father running to the son but that's the love of our father who's ready to run towards you who's ready to come running towards you not just that but he's going to embrace you and kiss you he's going to hold you tight he's going to he's going to rejoice and he's going to he's going to say that thank god you're back thank god my son you're back thank god my son you're okay thank god my son you're alive i'm happy i just need that i'm happy that you came back i'm glad that you are in good shape now again just take a pause and just imagine the love put yourself in that place put yourself in the son's place and imagine the love that is projected from our father moving ahead um verse 21 the son is now finally revealing his plan his backup plan his son said father i have sinned against both heaven and you and i am no longer worthy of being called your son he's like father i've done this i've done that i've lived my life you know i know for the fact that i cannot live without you i know i'm not worthy of this but at least take me as a servant 22 says but his father said to the servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for the finger and sandals for his feet the moment you reach the moment you meet your father your identity changes the moment you say yes to it you are a new creation you are a new person the old is dead and the new is born you know this signifies the the fact that the father is 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 not even talking about what this son is trying to emphasize he is not even worried he is not even bothered about his backup plan but he is ready to establish his new identity is ready to establish him he's ready to reinstate in the same place where he was before 
And that's, that's what I want to tell you. That's what, that's what I want to uh, give you as a message this morning, church. Can we run back? Can we go back? Because God is going to celebrate when we go back to him. God is going to, God is going to rejoice the moment when we go back to him. God celebrates the return of his children. I want to, again, reemphasize. If we feel that we're stuck, we have not moved, we are in that place where we have done stuff which is not in line with what God wants, the only thing that we have to do is run. Don't have backup plans. Run. Run towards him. Run towards him. Luke 15, 23 says, And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Our father is ready to throw a party. A party which is probably the biggest in the town. Again, the importance of fattening cow is so uh, you know, crucial here because back in the day, meat was the most precious delicacy. You know, it was the most expensive delicacy, which means you don't really get it, especially a fattening uh, uh, calf in this case. So he is, he is ready. Father is ready to throw the biggest party just because we came back, just because we said that I want to come back, just because we agreed that that's bad and this is what we want. He's ready to throw the biggest party of all time. For this, 24, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but he is now found. So the party began. Amen. Amen. I want to just reemphasize the fact that the Father's love is the most purest form of love that you'll find. The Father's love is the only thing that will take us to the next level or the next season. I just want to reemphasize that we all understand how crucial and how important is this. Can we all run back to Him? Can we all approach Him without any agenda, but just saying that, Abba, Father, I need you. Daddy, I need you. you know, this, this really shows the love that he, you know, he has established, that he has already put in place for us. And guess what? It's, it doesn't require any qualification. It's just available. It's just there. All we have to do is just run towards him. Because the moment we do that, we are a new creation. Now, now that we've understood the love that Father has for us, can we give you know, our love back to Him the way we can, the way we can worship? Can we all do that? Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope it blessed you. Do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11 a.m. at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed evening.